Hello, all you kings, queens, and those in between, and welcome to episode 6 of the Busted Limes podcast. I am your host, Parish Maharaj, and before we get to the episode proper, we would be remiss if we did not address the current state of affairs in America. We here at Busted Limes fully support the Black Lives Matter movement, and we stand in solidarity with everyone in the United States and around the world in protesting systemic racism and police brutality against black people. It is more important now, more than ever, to listen to and lift up black voices, and this cannot be just a momentary show of support. This is a prolonged and dedicated movement that must continue if we are ever going to see true change in this country. Even when the media cycle inevitably moves on to other issues, we have to keep fighting. Black Lives Matter is not a trend. It is a fundamental truth that we need to make a reality in this country and in the world. If you're not sure how to help, we're putting several links in the description of this episode. Take a look at them, educate yourself on the issues, and try to help in whatever way you're comfortable with. Thank you. And now, let's talk about some dumb superhero movies. Alright, testing, testing, are we good? Looks like we're picking, yep. we're picking up. Is it picking me up? Okay, it looks like we're good. I really don't want to have to do another re-record on this. Oh, Because if no. I have to talk about Thor The Dark World more than we're going to today, I will jump out of a third story window. Oh, yeah, valid reaction. So, yeah. anyway, on to phase two. Phase two, yep. After oh. blowing everybody away with Avengers... And a couple other movies in Phase 1. Marvel kept the train going with Phase 2. To what I'll admit were mixed reactions at the time. Um, And of course at this point, you know, I was a little bit older as these movies were coming out. So I remember it better. But it's really interesting to see how the MCU is this huge phenomenon now. But really, up until beginning of Phase 3, their movies were very hit or miss. Oh god, yeah. I think this phase really is really the biggest exemplification of that. Yeah, Yeah. So, I mean... I guess it's a good thing that it starts off with Iron Man 3 because this is probably the one in this phase we're going to disagree on the most. Oh, God, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. so I said initially, and before we get too into this, I will just quickly review what our criteria are. Mm -hmm. So we're judging it on the plot, the action, dialogue, and character interaction, whether the movie works as a standalone, and how well it um, pushes the overarching plot of the MCU, and, you know, are there any, how many big, iconic moments, etc., how we felt watching theaters for the first time. And I'd said last episode that we're not really going to use backstage stuff as, you know, criteria. Right. And we still aren't, but I still want to bring it up a few times because sometimes it does help to understand why parts of a movie are the way they are. Yeah. So going into mm-hmm. Iron Man 3, it's important to understand that RDJ's um, contract was expiring at, in this movie. This was the last movie in his contract. Mm. And they didn't actually know if they would be able to get him back or how many movies they would be able to get him back for. So... Really, going into this movie at the time, a lot of people assumed that this was going to be the end of Iron Man's story. A sentiment that did not age well. <laughs> no, um, for several reasons. So, yeah, well, to put it this way, um, I, this is probably the only time I'd rewatch this movie all the way through. Really? Well, I saw it in theaters, and I think I saw it once or twice, like, on cable or something, but yeah, this is the first time I really sat down and intentionally rewatched it. Right, right, right. Yeah. The first time I saw it was back in college. We used to have a theater. It was free admission for students, so I just went in there when they were showing it, and that yeah, was my fair. first time seeing it. I mean, I saw it as a kid because it was a summer blockbuster. What else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, this movie finds us with Tony Stark essentially dealing with um, the personal fallout of Avengers, which really sets up one of the longest-running plot threads in the MCU, which is Tony Stark having severe PTSD as a result of the Battle of New York, Uh which 
is mostly handled well. Like, the best thing I can say about it is that his anxiety attacks and the way that they happen are very realistic and hit close to home. I just mm-hmm. wish it wasn't a punchline as often as it was, which we'll get to as we get to that part of the movie. Right, valid, um, valid, valid. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the one thing about this movie is that, you know, what really keeps it watchable is the humor like it still has that standard mcu sense of humor oh yeah and you know Hmm. tony stark is probably the best character at leveraging that like the opening you know suit up scene with him trying to get the mark 42 to work yeah it's you know such a complete departure from the previous suit up scenes but in a way that's so tony stark i think it helps set the tone properly oh yeah definitely yeah and And i appreciate it in the very opening scene in um the party in Switzerland with that cameo with Jensen. Yeah, I know, right? Because that apparently means that he knew Jensen before the cave incident. Which... Right, in the cave incident, Jensen does mention, oh, we met at a party in Bern, but you probably don't remember. You were too drunk. Oh, so this was a right, direct yeah. callback to that. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know what? If we're going to talk uh, Iron Man 3, well, let, let, can you want to just go ahead and just address the elephant in the room? Which the, one? The... This is a fucking zoo. <laughs> Jeez, I was because t- so I think the mo- the most divisive thing about the movie was at the time at least it was released was the t- oh, the, the Mandalorian Mandal- twist the Mandal- yeah. Mandarin Ma- Mandarin, Mandarin twist. Oh, God, I, yeah I actually have it in my notes and I'm actually gonna accidentally gonna call him Mandalorian at least a couple well, times here well at least you know yourself yeah so <laughs> here's the thing with the Mandarin twist and I I did write a lot about it I mean plain and simple it's whitewashing they took a you know Middle Eastern Indian character whatever he was supposed to be in the comics mm-hmm. obviously in the comics first of all it's a shitty stereotype mm-hmm. i'm not going to defend that mm-hmm. but i mean in the movies you know they set him up to be a middle eastern aesthetic type terrorist and then swap him out at the last minute with a white dude with dragon tattoos and i'm not <laughs> going to defend that um but the thing is with what they and this is kind of representative of an issue i have with this movie as a whole mm. the movie consistently gets frustratingly close to making a point and then chickens out at the last second like, the thing is, the whole thing with the Mandalorian essentially just being a creation of a Mandarin. white guy, I, and, you know, they talk, the whole thing is a movie creating its own demons, you know, with the way, and it's not a secret that the MCU has a weird relationship with the U.S. military. Oh, God. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, the movie gets so close to making so many points about the U.S. essentially manufacturing the war on terrorism and how so many <laughs> terrorist effects were literally caused by us. Yeah. And, but it's like... Yeah. They literally even call out the fact that AIM used military contracts to create extremists as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's so close to making these points, but they just kind of leave those threads hanging because they don't actually want to say anything. That's the biggest thing with these movies. I know superhero movies don't need to say anything, but mm-hmm. it's like, don't do this setup if you're not going to follow through. And that's a frustrating thing with the Mandalorian. The Mandarin, fuck you. Mm-hmm. It could have worked, and it didn't because they were cowards about because it. Because they were cowards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, so if the other thing with this movie that I think is really divisive about it is, mm-hmm. well, first of all, the thing with this movie, like I said, is that this was initially going to be Tony Stark's ending. And, of course, it wasn't because they still kept making movies with him in it. Mm-hmm. So the movie ends with him blowing up all of his suits. Yeah, and I, it's, yeah. This is. I think we both have, I think this is one thing we do agree on yeah, is I, that this should have been a, this would have been a better ending for Tony's arc than, than Endgame. Than I like this a better ending. ending from the, but the problem is because they gave him such a good ending in this mm-hmm. that, you know, it kind of feels bastardized by the fact that he's still making suits and working in movies after this. Yeah, exactly. There, there, there's yeah. no... The problem with them emphasizing that everything in, this movie, in these movies is connected is mm-hmm. there's no way to reconcile the end of this movie with anything that happens with after Anything it. that happens after And yeah, that, and that's what I have here. That's, that's my feelings on yeah. it, right, as as it is. Yeah. It's like, as much as I love this movie standalone, mm-hmm. it 
it's not a, a standalone movie. It uh, it it's it's incongruous with the rest of the yeah. with the it, series, the franchise. Right. Yeah, and I mean. I'll cover the last thing about this movie that I really explicitly don't like before I talk about the parts that I do like. Okay. Just because it, you know. Yeah, exactly. So the part I don't like, I didn't like the little kid. I didn't like Really? Him. Okay, here's the thing. I don't like the trend of movies having unnecessary annoying kid sidekicks to try and appeal to the kids. It's a superhero movie. It already appeals to kids. Okay. Fair. And then the other thing is it's like, I really feel like in the... You know, writers room, the producers are like, okay, we need to keep having Tony have anxiety and PTSD attacks, but we can't be too serious about it. What well, if there's just this really insensitive kid that just keeps accidentally triggering his anxiety because no fucking idea what's going on? <laughs> Brilliant. Like, and maybe I'm taking this too personally because I actually have anxiety attacks in real life. Right. But, like, yeah. that just pissed me off so much, all of those scenes. Mr. Yeah. Stark, Mr. Stark, are you having anxiety attacks because I keep asking you about a really traumatic thing because I'm a little kid and don't understand this shit and really shouldn't be in this movie in the first place? It's like, what purpose does that kid serve in this movie? What purpose does he serve? Just, he's the, he's like his surveillance guy. He's the reason, they needed a reason to have the suit, to to have his suit at the end. I think that's really it, though. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, he didn't have to be a little kid. But honestly, I I kind of enjoyed the... I think, so here's why I think Mm -hmm. this kid is in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think they wanted Tony to have kind of like some kind of surrogate father relationship with some little kid. Uh Uh-huh. But they got rid of the kid when they realized they could just do that with Spider-Man With Spider-Man, yeah. Like, I honestly think that kid would have come back in Civil War in a similar role if they hadn't been able to get Peter Parker. I have no basis for that speculation, but that makes sense to me. It does, yeah. Yeah. It's funny, because I thought the part that you said you weren't going to like was something that I didn't like about the movie. was the fact that uh, Pepper survives the whole superpower selection thingy at the end, and then she gets cured off screen. Oh, no, that was sloppy screenwriting. (laughs) But, I mean, like, if we talk about the things I don't like about this movie, we'll be here all day. Right, right, right. Okay, there was something I liked about this movie. Hang on, let me check my notes. <laughs> well, while no, you're do- while you're doing that, okay, um, yeah, no. So the part that I liked, two things I liked. First of all, the extremist guys. It was so Ultra Killian, the white dude who ends up being the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. He's essentially just the third Iron Man movie in a row where the villain is just some kind of evil version of Tony. Of Stark. Tony Stark, yeah. But I like the extremist villains because you know it was creative. They could get creative with the fight scenes. And they weren't just more robots and mindless drones to fight. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I feel like they could have you know tried to actually say something about the fact that all these villains are veterans who were kicked, chewed up and spit out and left with mm-hmm. this is their only course of action. But, you know, yeah. fuck making a statement, right? Yeah. I, or even if it is a statement, it's not a very... They don't, like, give enough focus to it. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, but I like the scene where, you know, his suit's not working and he has to, like, build stuff out of a bunch of stuff from a hardware store. And mm-hmm. it's like... I like that he spends so much of the movie as just Tony Stark because I think both audiences and characters mm-hmm. have forgotten that Tony Stark is cool is cool in spite of the suit. He's yes. like the whole point of Tony Stark is that you know his power is his intellect and frankly his money. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you take away the suit, he's still genius cool billionaire playboy philanthropist. Exactly, yeah. and audiences need to be reminded that wasn't just a cheesy one-liner. Right. Right. Oh, and one thing I one thing that I really that really yeah. boosted this movie for me was yeah. that if this was a movie that was directed by Shane Black, yeah, and Shane Black's voice actually got to come, they actually let it come through in this movie yeah. because one of his staples is that end up you I remember in the last episode we mentioned that kiss kiss bang bang. Mm-hmm. There's this one scene in a movie in the movie where uh, they do the classic uh, Russian roulette interrogation right, scene, yeah. and you know how that scene mostly goes. Oh, it's yeah. uh, they wait into the last chamber in order to before there's there's a bullet in it. Yeah, where. <laughs> 
But in a Shane Black movie, the bullet is in the first chamber and you accidentally end up killing the guy you're interrogating. Oh, so that's nice. the, the humor through absurdity, through oh, nice. what you don't expect. And so, um, and that comes up twice in this movie where the first part where Tony's uh, shackled up in the basement and he... Oh, it takes him forever to get the suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. And then even another slightly, uh, slightly more subtle example was... Um, in the final battle where he's summoning his suit towards him and the suit just trips yeah. over that piece of bridge that was... Oh, yeah, right that was him. great. I was like, yes! They, like, they got um, Shane Black to... They let Shane Black shine here. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. if I'm going to talk about things I liked, I should point out that the character writing at least was on point. But mm-hmm. the relationship and dynamics between all of Pepper and Tony and Happy and Rhodey was all on point. Like, the their personalities in this movie, I will say, is pretty much how most fans remember them. Yeah. Like and that, yeah, and that's another thing. Like, it really holds. That, that's at least one part that yeah. holds up throughout the as like a a piece of the Marvel franchise. Yeah. But because yeah, these are the these are the defining yeah. characters or characteristics yeah. and traits that the yeah. characters exhibit throughout the franchise. Yeah, I mean, and like like you said, it works perfectly well as a standalone film. But that's a good and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know, as far as pushing the movie along, I mean, it introduces Tony's PTSD. Like I said. Mm-hmm. Which is it's literally his motivating factor in every movie following this. But, you know, the ending kind of fucks that up. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the frustrating thing. The, yeah. that the, it, Everything is, like, even as much as I like this movie, it just the ending. is it, It's inconsequential. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. as far as, like, memorable stuff, I think the only real memorable scenes are the Air Force One rescue and the house party protocol. But right. even those were very heavily featured in the trailers. So it's like the movie essentially has nothing to offer other than what was already in the trailers. Yeah, valid. Yeah, valid. So, yeah. anything else you want to add before we get to the um, rating? Oh well, just one little yeah. piece of trivia is like this is actually the first instance of the patented MCU civilian disguise with a with oh, a hood. Shit, you're right. Yeah, yeah wow, this... I didn't even catch that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, this is the first instance where Tony is uh, buying the materials. Yeah, from, and he from has a glyph on the yeah, glasses and the yeah. Cap. This is yeah. the first instance of that. Huh. But yeah, no, it's cool. But yeah, um. And also, if I could just say one nice thing about the about the, man, the yeah. Mandarin twist is that yeah. at least I see I liked it at the time because it because well, well plain and simple the villain it turns out was was just a dumb brown guy and while well, yeah. the real villain was the white million was the white billionaire yeah yeah that's but fair. but yeah that's so, about so I know what you're, so my reading I gave it bronze or I mean. On its own, it's a run-of-the-hill superhero movie that doesn't do anything particularly well and comes frustratingly close to making a point several times and then just doesn't. So, like, that counts against it really heavily for me. Okay, yeah, this is going to be the one that we disagree on the most because I actually put it in gold tier. Because I, I don't know you anymore. <laughs> I don't know you anymore. This is a solo podcast now. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But yeah, I I still really I still think that it's for me anyways that its strength as a standalone movie is, is enough to for me to forgive anything. Like yeah, inconsequential ending. He still makes more suits, but I like the Mandalorian twist, and yeah, it uh, and let's not forget the end credit scene that actually revealed that he was talking with Bruce the whole time. So that's like accidental building of their of their relationship as well. I bet you think Forrest Gump deserved Best Picture too. Hey. <laughs> No, that end credit scene is holds a very near and dear place in my heart because when I went to see this movie with a friend that summer, I literally had to hold him back in the seat because he wanted to leave before the credits were done. And I was like, no, 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 we go all the way with this shit. No. <laughs> like, even early on, I knew how this shit worked. <sighs> also, I remember being really fucking confused because the movie takes place during Christmas, but it was a summer release. 
Oh, yeah, this is a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. but it's Shane Black, so that's kind of his thing. Oh, yeah, it really yeah. is. All right. Right. So. Yeah. Do we have to talk about it? Yeah. Bronze, moving on. Okay, no, we do- oh, don't oh. you dare. No, mm. no. I didn't sit through two fucking hours of literal unwatchable bullshit for you to just bronze and move on this shit, okay? <laughs> I will never get those hours of my life back, and neither will our listeners. We're talking about this. <sighs> okay, so, um, uh, Tom Hiddleston is good? If he's the bad guy, why is he the only person trying to save this fucking movie? <laughs> okay, so... Mm. I had to put my fucking drink down for this. Okay, All right. yeah, let's go. So, here's the thing with this movie. It literally has no redeeming qualities. Most movies that I dislike, I try to set aside a part to talk about the things I like about it. And I will do that for this, but there's really only one thing to talk about. So I'm going to tear this movie's asshole apart for as long as Parish can hold this mic up without his arm getting tired. And then we will move on. All right, go right ahead. All right, so the movie opens up with yet another painfully horrible attempt at trying to be Lord of the Rings, which Marvel eventually figured out wouldn't work, where we find that Thor's grandfather, Bor, who, fun comic trivia, is named after the only adjective that can describe this fucking movie. He has to fight the Dark Elves from the Dark World, who want to bring back the darkness, whatever the fuck that means, which is my first issue with this movie, is that there are no real villains. You have these fucking Teletubby-looking dipshits and space Legolas to literally have nothing explained about them other than they're evil and dark. The screenwriters literally think that adding dark in front of everything just makes it evil. Like, it's stupid. It's just stupid. I don't have a clever joke for that. You can't just put dark in front of something and automatically make it considered evil. You know what's evil? The fact that I made myself rewatch this fucking movie. Okay, anyway, after defeating the Dark Elves, who are trying to use a super weapon called the Aether to destroy reality or some shit, mm. Bor decides we cannot destroy it. We must hide it away so it can never be found. I counted. It is literally found 15 minutes later in the movie. I counted anyway the movie takes us back to asgard where thor and the warriors three comic trivia their name is a clever reference to the fact that there are four of them they find that apparently everything has gone to shit since loki's plan in the first thor actually had some consequences without the bifrost asgard couldn't colonize the rest of the world so thor had to go fix that because he's a good guy you know how this works yeah yeah, and basically everybody's celebrating, but Thor's sad because he's not with Natalie Portman, who's on Earth mm-hmm. being miserable. Fun fact, Jane Foster's name is a reference to the fact that she spends this whole movie acting with all the enthusiasm of someone whose parents just died in front of her. Anyway, that's my first big issue with this movie. Yeah, we just got to my first big issue with this movie. The fact is- that Jane Foster's got reduced to a plot device? Yes, but that was also an issue in the first Thor, and so that's just an overall screenwriting issue. But now she's literally treated as a container for the freaking Yeah, Yes, but my biggest issue is all the Earth scenes. Aside Mm. from Jane Foster and Eric's... First of all, none of the humor in this movie works at all. This is probably the only Marvel movie where I can honestly say I don't think a single joke lands. Eh. Well, there are some that do. Loki Cap? We'll get to that. Okay, Anyway, my problem is that the my biggest issue with the first Thor movie was that it didn't really do enough to establish Asgard. Mm-hmm. This was the perfect movie to do that, and they still had so many useless cutaway scenes to the unfunny comic relief characters on Earth that just mm-hmm. slow pacing down and aren't funny and don't matter. Mm-hmm. You also have 
blah. I my brain is turning off and I can't talk about this. Edit this to the part where I start making sense. Take your time. The other issue with this movie, aside from the fact that you know the main characters aren't funny, is that like I said, there's no real motivation to the villain, so it feels like there's never really any stakes. Like, what is the darkness? What is the dark world? What was the world like before any of this backstory shit happened? What is lost if the villains win? Exactly. And, like, I will actually go on record and say that, like, one actually issue with this movie is that all of the scenes that actually establish Malekith's character and shows motivation and development were cut out. Like, mm. literally, Malekith is only there to say evil things, kill Thor's mother, and then it die at the end of the movie. He is utterly forgettable and a complete waste of Christopher Eccleston's acting ability. Yeah, and the, yeah, you basically touched on everything that I did. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the positives, since that's a much shorter list. Um, um, yeah, so Loki. Literally everything Tom Hiddleston touches in this movie is gold. I, mm-hmm. Another backstage thing that I kind of have to bring up mm-hmm. is that focus groups made a bunch of changes because of Loki. Mm. First one is, like, literally three months before this movie came out, they did reshoots to add more Loki scenes ah. in order to make the movie watchable. <laughs> also, Loki's death in this movie was initially going to be permanent. Ooh. Yeah, they reshot the end to have him come back because the focused groups were literally in denial that he was actually dead. Mm-hmm. Funny how mm-hmm. that continued to be a thing later on. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can honestly say, though, that that was for the best, because I remember coming out of this movie, the only thing that excited me was seeing what Loki was going to do next. Yes. Yeah, yes, and of course, did. every scene with Loki and his mother was brilliantly acted. Yeah. Loki's mother was wasted as just being here to get fridged. Yeah. It's just everything Tom Hiddleston touches is gold. There's no other way to say that. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's funny to see the seeds being planted once again for Odin being a shitty king and father in, like, basically every movie. <laughs> like, watching this is really not that surprising all the revelations that happen about him in Ragnarok. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, of course, the Loki impersonating Cap scene, which is still, to this day, one of the funniest scenes in the MCU. Uh-huh. And, like, nobody ever talks about it because nobody ever rewatched this movie, aside from our masochistic asses. Uh-huh. And there's this one thing that I liked, is that Dar- the one- Darcy does get one funny moment, but it's only because of the punchline that's delivered by Jane. It's right. the it's the part where they meet all the British kids and Darcy says, "Don't worry, we're American." And Jade Foster says, "How is we're Americans supposed to get them to yeah. like us?" Yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to just skip to the rating? Like, what else can we say about this movie? Uh, that it's just exposition in the movie, and it really deserves its reputation. Bronze tier. Bronze tier. Bronze tier. Yeah. So funny you say um exposition in the movie. So I said it's good that it's a standalone movie because it's perfectly skippable. Mm-hmm. So. List of things that are actually introduced in this movie. Mm-hmm. The concept of the Infinity Stones and the Aether being an Infinity Stone. The Collector. Yeah, the Collector being there. And then, you know, Loki replacing Odin. Mm-hmm. Everything that is explained or introduced in this movie is either re-explained, reintroduced, or retconned in a later movie. Yes, Which is why you. it's completely yes. skippable. I have that in my notes, too. It's like, we already had an explanation for how the that freaking alignment of the words work. There are, I think there are... Two different explanations, or three different explanations for that. One is given by um, Eric... Selvig. Yeah, Eric Selvig's character, and the other one is given by Thor. Like, we did not need another one. Yeah, and then, like... Yeah, and then with... So the Collector shows up and gives the origin story of the Infinity Stones in Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, anything Thor-related is explained pretty well in Ultron and Ragnarok. Again, this movie is completely unnecessary, and it's no wonder this movie was enough to make Hemsworth consider quitting the role. Okay, that I did not know. Oh, yeah, no, he, like, part of the reason why they got what, Taika Waititi to make Ragnarok and why it changed so much is that Kemsworth just wasn't having fun playing Thor anymore. He felt, like, you know, suffocated, mm-hmm. which makes sense because yeah. 
Yeah. Which even Anthony Hopkins, who I felt like he was phoning it in this oh, yeah, time I was around. Say, Tom Hilson is the only person in this movie who doesn't seem to be phoning it in. He's the only actor that I feel like actually wants to be in this movie. Oh my god, that just reminded me. There, there were like little hints of a love triangle between Sif, Thor, and Jane, weren't there? Oh yeah. Oh Jesus Christ. Straight up. Like, uh. yeah. And I'm glad that they never went anywhere with that because I haven't... I was going to say irrational hatred for love triangles, but I actually think that's probably pretty rational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Winter yeah. Soldier. Platinum, moving on. No, <laughs> no. We didn't just talk about For the Dark World for however long we were talking about it longer than it deserves. We're going to at least have some time to cleanse ourselves and talk about an actual fucking good movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, let me I'm just... Literally, op- my first note on this is finally some good fucking food. <laughs> And my final note on this was that was actually, uh, this is the movie that the Platinum Tier was made for. Yes. They, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, because right, it's iconic right from the beginning. Where it, the first line in the movie is on your left. Yeah. So, first of all, <laughs> I appreciate so much that the opening scene actually uses the score from First Avenger. Mm-hmm. Which I love mm-hmm. so You know yeah. how I love that score. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, so, I just... I think the best thing about... First of all, my favorite thing in the opening is Steve's list of things he's trying to watch. Yes, and I actually wrote down what the items were. Oh, yeah, well, I was going to say there are different items on the list depending on what country the movie aired in, which is so cool. They, like, went the extra mile to make it relatable for the... Yeah. Like, right from the start, Sam and Cap's relationship works perfectly. Right off the bat. once you... Even, like, underneath all the MCU quips that are happening in that scene, like, just the connection of two veterans who have experienced similar loss, like, th- th- that's a connection that only people in that situation can have. Yes, it, and, and it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I will yeah. say that um, in this movie, this is probably the movie where I feel like it starts where, like, every character is a smartass, that whole MCU thing. Yeah. But in this movie, at least it works. Oh, yeah, I definitely. Like, because Like, th- it's not tired in this movie. It's really not, because they, it just feels like banter between co-workers, which, oh, come on, yeah. And that's why I love yeah. Black Widow as a character in this more than any other movie, is yes. her relationship with Cap is they're just friends making fun of each other like mm-hmm. this is probably one of my favorite movies because it's not even really just a superhero movie it's just a good movie all mm-hmm. the characters feel like people authentic yeah right. authenticity is the name of the game yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. so and when did you realize you love this movie because for me it, it was the this isn't freedom this is fear scene i mean honestly the whole fight scene on the lumerian star where cap goes a full arkham knight on those motherfuckers <laughs> yeah. like the moment cap kicks a bitch off of the boat he knows this is a very different movie mm-hmm. in a really good way very good way. like yeah. first of all like that's the thing like this is just we've talked about this before like this is in my top five action movies this mm-hmm. is one of the times where mcu succeeds in surpassing the superhero genre just to make a legitimately great film mm-hmm. and, it, and i think this is one of the few movies where like you know despite the fact that the military was involved in making this movie mm-hmm. it actually succeeds in criticizing america and the military yeah exactly like, it, so much of what it says even still is relevant. Yeah, remember, uh, I have this, uh, man, remember when Nazis infiltrated the government sounded was just a cheesy movie pitch? Well, I mean, you say that, but even then, like, the whole thing with, you know, America recruiting Nazi scientists, that's still a thing that actually happened. And right. the movie still, like, yeah. kind of calls out that was a terrible idea. But yeah, uh, no, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, remember, yeah, remember when white supremacists infiltrating the government and, you know, corrupting it seemed... And then, of course, Cap was like, no, we can't just reform S.H.I.E.L.D. You have to tear the whole thing down Dude. because it's corrupt. Mm-hmm. Gee, that doesn't sound familiar at all. No, not at all. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ACAB. 
but even but even then um it even some it's thematically sound and it's also the presentation is strong as well because tell me that uh helicarrier scene even though you knew how it's gonna end it's still a fucking nail biter oh it's um this is that's the thing like the action scenes are so well shot that it's just as tense no matter what god yeah this is my this was my third time rewatching it and i still only had my, third this oh, is probably yeah, the one i've rewatched the most times uh for, that's uh ragnarok for me but oh, that, yeah, that, we'll get we'll get to that later yeah. but uh yeah, I think that so much just talking about great scenes. Oh like, my god, yeah. I mean, you know... I you, love Fury's story about his granddad. Oh, that's a great scene. You know that scene apparently was based a little bit in reality, like Samuel Jackson's grandfather was an elevator operator. I believe that. I yeah. believe that. Yeah. I mean, I love the museum scene where Cap goes and he's seeing like his life is a history lesson now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, god, the mm-hmm. scene where he goes to meet old Peggy is so hard to watch. Look what I have written down here. For Peggy with Alzheimer's and it's yeah. just screaming. Yeah, no, like it just <laughs> fucking hurts to watch. <sighs> I love you know the questions of accountability for superheroes is already coming up in this scene, like kind of planting the seeds for Civil, Civil War. War. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, can we talk about should we talk about Fury's last time I trusted someone I lost an eye line? Uh you mean the line that I think Captain Marvel ruined? Yeah. D- yeah, yeah, I mean, you said it. Uh, yeah, it's. It just makes Fury look. I mean, he is dramatic, but like this is petty. Like that, that's just yeah. that's just the, like this is this. It's not the same thing that the guy who would lie about uh, the bloodstained cars cards in uh, First Avengers. Like right, yeah, I trusted someone and they betrayed me. You mean a cat scratched your eye? Well, yeah. Okay, that's dramatic like, even for you. Yeah. I mean, if we're so. There are very few things in this movie that I disliked, uh-huh. and I, so I'm just gonna talk about them. I'm gonna yeah, opt yeah. and just talk about. Right. First of all, Cap hiding the flash drive in the vending machine was dumb to me. I've never yeah. been, heard an explanation for that that makes any sense to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the other thing, this isn't really a fault of the movie, but like Fury's air quotes death scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of those things where it's like, okay, I know he's not actually dead because he has lines in the trailer that haven't happened yet. So that <laughs> kind of ruined that for me a little bit when I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. But I'm. It's not lots of stuff I actually like. The fucking Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. Oh my god. He is still the most terrifying villain, I think, in anything. He's like the goddamn Terminator. He is. And my god, the... And you were, we were just talking about the score. Uh, the, the music during the highway fight scene. Okay, the, the highway fight scene and the elevator fight scene are still two of the greatest fight scenes in anything ever. Yeah, and then and the Bucky catching the sh- Winter Soldier catching the shield is one of the... Throwing him from behind. Throwing him from behind is still yeah. one of the top five oh shit moments oh, in the MCU. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, that and then, like, on the final Hell Carrier fight, Steve fighting him, begging him to remember him. Yes. We get to the end of the line, pal. Yeah, the freaking... He that they, they, they the the movie went full Naruto and Sasuke though. Oh, Let's abs- be <laughs> Cap and Steve is just Naruto and Bucky for white people. Yeah, 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 for real. I literally just, no Cap and Cap and Bucky is like Naruto and Sasuke. You know what I mean? I said the wrong names. You know what I mean, audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> also, two genius things they did in this movie mm-hmm. is um retroactively making the stupid senator for Iron Man two Hydra. Like that just completely changes that scene in the best way possible. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And then also, like, so many people seem to forget that this is the movie where you find out that Bucky killed Tony Stark's parents. Yeah. What, what scene was that again? Remind in the me. scene where Zola is explaining that Hydra's been around the whole time, when he's talking about accidents that they caused, yeah, right. History, they show the newspaper clipping of um Howard Stark's death. Howard so Stark's death. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing people realize is he really did know. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like. Honestly, just talking about a mate, I literally have in my notes, abolish shield, don't reform it. <laughs> yeah, like, and then one thing that I, feel, okay, you know how 
huge the balls are on Alexander Pierce, Robert Redford's character is. Yes. He literally slaps the Winter Soldier when he's not listening to him. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Redford. Because he's Robert Redford. He's Robert fucking Redford. He can do whatever he wants and get away with it. Yes. (laughs) No. Honestly, like, one scene that I think kind of reflects a lot of issues with in real life is mm-hmm. like the security council is totally on board with project insight until they realize the hydro is causing it then all of a sudden they're completely against it like uh-huh. th- that's the whole point i see is they only have a problem with it because they're not the ones in control with it and that shows Ooh. so much about how people have issues with the issues that people have with how they view power in real life yeah like yes it's dangerous and horrible but you were okay with it because it was your switch not his N- yeah that's the not whole... if it w- yep not if it was your switch yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> like that's not an you know optimistic scene Really, it's really not. Yeah. Until we get the reveal that Natasha was the was the female sen- uh, senator. senator the whole time. Yeah. That was that. That was still amusingly amusing. Oh, that, amusing that, is the it, word. It's a mean. great scene anyway. Uh huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, yeah. I one thing that I will say talking about tension. Mm-hmm. I the first time I saw this movie, I legitimately thought that they were going to kill Falcon off when he was fighting Winter Soldier. Really? The, well, here's hmm. the thing. I wasn't totally, like, clued in with, like, oh, yeah, he's going to be around for a lot of movies after this. Right, And yeah. literally my thing was, like, oh, they better not kill off the black sidekick. Because, <sighs> I mean, you know that's a reasonable fear in any of these movies. Yeah, and e- even in the movie proper, like, the that whole backstory that they give him with the whole... Yeah. Uh, his, uh, fr- his friend died. His yeah. friend died and the, he, the fact that he's running the support group. Yeah. Yeah, all that backstory is just death flags left and right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not saying anything about the fact that Rhodey has somehow survived this whole time. True. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, what else is to say about this? Want to just talk about standalone versus you standalone know, also, versus? Oh my god, it works as both. I say most mostly it works along as standalone. The only thing I say is there's certain parts that don't receive an explanation. Like they never actually talk about like Steve being in the ice. Like expects you to know who Steve is. Expects you to know who Shield is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the, it expects you to already be a fan of these characters, but the movie still works pretty well on itself. I think. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing is that the end leaves a lot of open threads to lead directly into Age of Ultron and Civil War. Yes. But I mean, yeah. talking about like overarching plot, I mean, this changes everything. Destroy Shield and introducing Bucky and setting up Age of Ultron like this literally changes the entire MCU within five minutes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's literally so impactful. It changed the TV shows too. Like, no, we don't know this, but um, Ag- this show came out during Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s first season. Mm. So this movie happens in the middle of the first season, and all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of afterwards is dealing with the fallout from this movie. Ah, like, I remember man. people were freaking out to see the episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came out after this, because it the, there's a stretch of, like, four episodes in the middle of the season that's basically this movie from the those characters' point of view. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't think it cares about spoilers at this point, like, almost ten years later. But, like, one of the main characters in that show was Hydra, which is why it was such a huge deal when it happened in that show. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, like you said, it's platinum. It, yeah. it surpasses the superhero genre. It's just an amazing mm-hmm. action movie. I mean, yeah. this movie, like, I would say if we were ranking within tiers this is at the top of the platinum top of the platinum strong platinum yeah Yeah. strong platinum and Mm -hmm. fortunately phase two kept it strong because immediately after this we got guardians of the fucking galaxy oh my god guardians of the galaxy so i know nowadays the all of the guardians names are household names but i don't think people remember just how but like this was the ultimate test of yeah, what of was, how strong I know, the Marvel this was a huge were. test because they went with super obscure characters really only hardcore comic fans knew or cared about mm-hmm. the trailers felt completely different from anything they had done up until this point uh-huh. like I remember after this movie it was like okay like no matter what Marvel does after this like I trust them because 
they took characters nobody knew or cared about and made them some of the most beloved household names in history of superheroes. Yeah, and I think the way they did that was twofold. Well, one was like a service level thing because yeah. I remember some of my older yeah. law school classmates mm-hmm. at the time, they saw this movie and what really had formed a connection with them was the 80s soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So that 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 was one way that they would do it. And um, another way is that they treated... They wrote the movie as if... They, no one else knew who they were right. either. Like, I will say the best character establishing moments I can think of is, you know, the come and get your love scene mm-hmm. and the Guardians all meeting each other by beating the shit out of each other and then ending up in jail. And the, per- yeah, and the prison break. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, and honestly, just James Gunn is such a creative genius. I honestly believe that. Like, the we could do a whole episode just talking about how he put the soundtracks of the Guardians movies together and, like, with the character arcs that he created for these characters. Yeah. 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 I mean, I still remember going to see this movie in theaters and that opening scene with Peter's mother dying. Oh, like, God. that's one of the earliest times I can remember everybody literally being like, did we walk into the wrong movie? <laughs> like, that was... And then, like, it goes... The mood whiplash into um, Come and Get Your Love is masterfully done. Mm-hmm. And it's just... I mean... Every role is perfectly cast. Yes. I honestly yeah. think every single joke in this movie hits the mark. I would say the one exception. Which one? The Drax's uh, green horror line. That that's the that's the that's only. not. I feel like that wasn't even really a joke. He just honestly still doesn't like Amora at that point. Hmm. Yeah, but oh, the, okay. But, no, but, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, every single line basically became a meme. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I need that guy's leg. Yeah. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. I'm, and then in this very same scene, I'm going to die with the biggest idiots in the universe. Right? <laughs> look, look, okay, the bunch of jackasses standing in the circle scene is still my favorite team-up scene in anything. Yeah, but be, to the point that uh, jackasses in a circle scene, is the, that's your shorthand for those types e- of scenes. Exactly. <laughs> like, it, it, they didn't invent the trope, but they sure as hell, you know, perfected it in one scene. Oh, God, yes. And, and one thing that I've heard a lot uh, throughout people who like this movie is that it is... It is kind of like Futurama. It's like like I've Futurama. Oh, so, I get um, that. Because, and I even have uh, Gamora is Leela, Peter is Fry, Rocket is Bender, and Zoidberg is split between Drax and Groot. That actually fits way too well. Very, I know, right? It, it's, yeah. Uh, and oh my gosh. Um, speaking of uh, James Gunn's creative genius, I remember the scene where they're in the prison and there's that orange female alien who's looking at a projection of her family oh, yeah. and like she's only on screen for like three seconds and I already and like my chest hurt for her oh like, yeah the, absolutely especially I'm, watching the movie knowing that everybody in that jail dies by the end yeah 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 speaking of what did you think about the villain uh, Ro- Ronin Ronin, Ronin. Yeah, I feel what? like that's like one of the biggest strike against the movie is that he's a very like one, one dimensional yeah but when everyone else around him I, is, I could give yeah, it a pass when everyone else around him is that was going to be what I was going to say is that he doesn't need to be super over the top because He's not the focus of the movie. This, mm-hmm. That's the thing about the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Is they're very character-driven. These yes. movies are, mm-hmm. exist to facilitate the character development of their characters. Like, yeah, the plot facilitates character development, not the other way around. And yeah. I think it's an important distinction to make. Very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that, like, talking about characters, people really don't talk enough about how fucked up the Collector is. Yeah. Oof. He collects Oof. people. And living things. Yeah, and... it's it's legit. Within five minutes of meeting Groot, he tries to get him to negotiate to sell him his corpse after he dies. Yeah, and uh, even before that, we again another short but effective scene that uh, your species have elbows. Yes. Oh God, Ugh. it's Benicio del Toro. Like I said, perfectly cast. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. No. 
Oh man. And yeah, and I think that's the thing that makes the movie so good is that as funny as they are, the emotional notes all hit perfectly the way they need to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a bunch of broken people coming together to try and make each other better and save the world, mm-hmm. if for no mm-hmm. reason other than the fact that they happen to live in it. One of the idiots. That's another lie. Yeah. I'm one of the idiots who lives in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's hilarious to me as well that like early on, when after Rock explains Groot's speech thing to Quill, Quill's mm-hmm. response is literally, "Yeah, that's gonna wear thin real fast." It did not wear thin real fast. Yeah, just a always sunny thing. The gang milks that shit for all it's worth over the next 10 years. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, the dance battle into the Guardians holding the stone together is legitimately my favorite sequence of scenes in the entire MCU. Oh, it's your one favorite scene. I mean, in- here's the thing. Uh-huh. This is the movie that I would show someone to convince them that the MCU is worth watching. Right, yeah. But, okay, yeah, yeah. That's a really... Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, it's a really great scene because it's, it's thematic. It's like a good... It wraps a good little thematic yeah. bow on the entire movie. It's a good it, sampler for mm-hmm. the MCU. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about things to introduce that immediately became household names. Yondu's one fight scene. Yeah. His can we agree that if it if it weren't for the Infinity Gauntlet, his arrow would be the most powerful weapon in the entire. I, I'm pretty sure that's a thing. <laughs> it would be between him and Tony's suits, and I think it would be a narrow Yondu victory. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I think this is the first movie where Thanos speaks. This is Thanos' first real appearance. Yeah, <laughs> Thanos' first real appearance and the first like official like appearance and explanation of the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. God, his scenes in this movie hit real different in a post-Endgame world. Yeah, it really does. Um, like, I know we haven't gone to, like, him proper yet, but let's just go ahead and say it. Do you think Marvel succeeded in making the next Darth Vader with Thanos? Yes. Agreed. Yes. I, 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 like, I was legitimately getting, like, first scene of A New Hope vibes from Thanos in this. Yeah, exactly. And it starts, like, before he we even see him fully in, yeah. like, full body when Ronan... Break, snaps that guy's neck in yeah. front of him and like Thanos doesn't even acknowledge it oh yeah no like when Thanos is like I will bathe the star waves in your blood that line hits real different now <sighs> yeah oh my god yeah it's yeah. it's hell that yeah post infinity war world that's just ugh. yeah so mm-hmm. uh, yeah this movie sta- it's a perfect standalone movie because it's literal worlds away from the rest of the MCU uh-huh. yeah but like yeah. aside from introducing Thanos and the infinity stones it, it's, again it's not directly affecting anything else in the MCU so it's mm-hmm. perfectly in its own. I remember when talking about the Guardians crossing over with the Avengers was a wild fan theory. Oh, really? Oh, dude, people lost their shit when the Guardians showed up in the Infinity War trailer. People were hype. <sighs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, no. Who this, the hell are you guys? <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's good. So, yeah. So, I do have one thing. So, I I didn't put this in Platinum because oh, yeah? there there are a lot of ex- exposition scenes that I felt kind of held it back a little bit That's like fair. the most egregious example was Drax's introduction because remember when he, you remember how that went right yeah he just shows up and explains that my family is dead and mm-hmm. her father killed them yeah. yeah and there there were other scenes like that like that with the there is but the thing is is like I'm a lore junkie so I enjoy those scenes gotcha yeah, gotcha, well, gotcha. thing mm-hmm. I put my rating platinum subtweet might actually be perfect but might I mean, actually be per- yeah I mean yeah. Here's the thing. If I told you right now I think this movie's perfect, how much are you going to argue with me? Not like not at all. Yeah, I, it's a it's a strong gold for me. That like, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I said, gold for me is basically top tier. We created platinum so that we could give Winter Soldier the recognition it deserves. <laughs> of course, there are other platinum movies too, but I mean, like yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want to oversaturate it. No, but yeah. Huh. So Oversat- now, don't want to oversaturate while we're talking about the MCU. Of course, that would be horrible, right? <laughs> 
Ah, okay, so now uh, let's move on to what I think is the weakest of all the team-up movies. Yeah. Yeah, Age of Ultron. Yeah, so this movie is... Here's my thing with this movie. Mm -hmm. It has some of the best and some of my favorite moments and scenes. They're just tied together by a Frankenstein's monster of a plot that doesn't work. (sighs) Actually, no, I take that back. Frankenstein's monster worked slightly better. This is a shambling mound of a plot. Well, keep in mind, if we're, go, if we're talking about Frankenstein's monster, the book version is a lot different than the famous movie version. The book version could go on... This is like, the Hotel Transylvania Frankenstein. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. My first first and biggest issue with the movie was this is where Joss Whedon's uh, brand of everything... everything <laughs> brand of everything was starting to get tired and over... Yeah. And, and I will say before we get into this... There were a lot of complaints that followed the MCU through Phase 2 mm-hmm. that some of which were addressed as movies, some of which weren't. The big one that followed in the um, Big three sequels going up to this mm-hmm. was the sort of lack of continuity and connection. Like, I remember the biggest complaints were always, how are we still getting solo movie sequels when we've established that the Avengers are a thing? Like, the whole idea is, like, where was anybody when people thought Tony was dead in Iron Man 3? Why didn't anybody show up in London? And it's like... Even in Captain America Winter Soldier, Hawkeye was supposed to show up, but Jeremy Renner's schedule didn't allow it. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye missing in that movie, I think, you know, if he had been in that movie, that would have been huge for his character. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, mm-hmm. but, like, and so for them to all suddenly be together again in this movie, like, you just kind of have to take it with for As what it, it is. is. Yeah. yeah. And I will say that, you know, so let's talk about the good things in this movie. Okay. Like, so- the, the mm-hmm. best thing that this movie does is it shows the Avengers at their strongest. Yes. Movie. They're okay. a well-oiled machine. They've been a well-oiled machine for a while, and they're a team that are the Avengers. They know what they're about, and they're mm-hmm. good at it. Yes. And we get to see them be people. Like, the party scene is, to this day, my favorite Excellent. scene in the whole MCU because we, we've said it before. I love it when the characters get to be people, and mm-hmm. that's what this is. It's just them sitting around, getting drunk, awkwardly flirting, and, you know, having fun. Like, all of them trying to lift the hammer is still my favorite scene in anything. <laughs> I, God, I, I wish we'd gotten more scenes like that. Yeah, yeah, honestly. This yeah. Just, but, nope, we have to have a villain who's a carbon copy of Tony, you know? I mean, in this case, at least it's thematic and not just lazy screenwriting. That's true. I mean, and, there, there is lazy screenwriting, but it's also thematic. Right, 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 right. And, hey, uh, did your theater also gasp when Vision lifted Mjolnir? Yes. Well, yeah. it was more like silent shock than anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to just talk about Vision for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, talk so about Vision. It's yeah. hard to say that he's a big character in this movie because he's around for less than 30 minutes. Right. I yeah, mean, but... here's the thing with Vision. Mm-hmm. He's probably the most expressive plot device in these movies aside from Bucky. I, I, I was going to say aside from Jade Foster, but... <laughs> I said expressive. Fair. Yeah, mm. no. Um, yeah, so I think, I just remember after this movie came out, all anybody could talk about was like, so we all know Thanos is going to have to kill this guy to get the Mind Stone, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. This is, <laughs> this was very similar energy to a character in an anime realizing their child is a protagonist and looking at the calendar. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, I mean, you have that, and then just talking about things that I like, I mean, I think the fight scenes are pretty on point throughout all of it, and... Mm-hmm. I think that, at the very least, you know, they introduced Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and made them pretty likable right off the bat. And we get our first mention of Wakanda. Yep. And we get Andy Serkis just being a delight. Yes. <laughs> just Which, I'd completely forgotten that he lost his arm in this movie. So oh, yeah, I, that's the thing. Like, you yeah. talk about connective tissue in the MCU. Like, this is the shit that people love them for. Like, when they actually foreshadow. Not, like, when they leave an Easter egg and look at it ten years later. Like, shit, we can legally do something with that now. 
<laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Man. And uh, speaking of Vision and Wada, just a funny anecdote here. Remember that meme on Twitter where it was like, uh, if you had $5 to build your... Oh, uh, yeah, your I saw And then what, what, did you, what was your response well, to that again? A lot of people had some responsibilities. Like, my response is like, vi- like Vision, Wanda, use an extra 12 bucks to get Taco Bell takeout. While yeah. the two strongest Avengers handle everything else. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. We we get introduced to the two strongest yeah. Avengers in this in this movie, yeah. and it's now, great. One thing I will say I appreciated more now that we're actually re-watching the movies for this review, mm-hmm. is I used to always say Iron Man 3 is super skippable, but it really isn't, because if you watch this movie without the context of Tony's arc in Iron Man 3, it kind of seems like his PTSD is caused by Wanda. And it's not. He's already, like, I mean, he's already trying to build Ultron, so you know he has a level of paranoia, which he talks about later. Mm-hmm. But, like, the degree to how bad it is, like, Iron Man 3, you need that foundation for his character actions in this to make sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. and, like, talking about things that we like in this movie, and it's, like, it's hard to, because everything that you like in this movie is kind of tarnished by the way the movie also messes that thing up. <sighs> yeah. Like, Hawkeye is great that they gave him a personality and a yeah, family, yeah, but I mean, yeah, like, you know, yeah. why do they only do it now? I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Yeah. Like, they had they had uh, since Thor to do this shit. So exactly. I, but nope, they decided to hypnotize him for half of Avengers. And then, you know, not have him in Winter Soldier. But, hey, we uh, the, we got that quip of, I've done the mind control thing yeah. before. That's I mean, like... that, that was a little bit cathartic, but also kind of self-indulgent, considering the same guy wrote both of those. That's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Joss Whedon is exactly known for, you know, acknowledging his mistakes, so I don't give him too much credit for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so do we talk about the shit we have issues with now? Oh, God, uh, yeah. So yeah. This, this is basically just, like, the world's worst knitting competition, because there are loose threads everywhere. Oh, oh Literally all this movie does is set up future movies. It's, it, this movie is so busy setting up future movies and plot threads mm-hmm. that it forgets to just be its own movie. It's Civil War foreshadowing the movie. Yeah, literally all this does is set up Ragnarok and set up Civil War, and it's just... That's it. That's all, and it spends so much time doing that, it doesn't have time to do anything else. This could have been, like, an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., honestly. The, the, Basically. Yeah, yeah it, didn't, it didn't need to be a two-hour movie, because what was in that two hours? Um, building Ultron? Yeah, surprisingly Ultron. little actually happens in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, but hey, uh, we got the Hulkbuster fight scene. Hey, Hulk Buster fight scene. Steals the entire movie. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if we're going to talk about it, I have to talk about what is my, I think, to this day, the biggest mistake in the history of the MCU. Oh. Killing off Quicksilver. Really? Okay, yeah, elaborate on that. I mean, Joss Whedon has acknowledged that he only did that because he's known for killing characters off. He's acknowledged that he killed him to meet a quota. Jesus. Yeah. Second of all, it's like so much potential for Wanda's character is lost by having Pietro killed off and it's like mm-hmm. it's not even like it really impacts her character because he's literally never mentioned again she literally mourns a vision more than she mourns her own twin brother in these movies yeah it, it, it just kind of makes her uh, line in Endgame hilarious tonight that you took everything from me is like you mean just vision yeah like <laughs> what about your brother like you took everything except what Ultron took from me from me <laughs> I mean, if we're counting her backstory with, you know, losing her parents to Star Wars, you took everything that Ultron and Tony Stark didn't take from me, which admittedly wasn't much, but fuck you. (laughs) It doesn't flow as well. Yeah. 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 Oh, another thing we like. Uh, one thing I'll one positive is uh, Stanley's cameo in this one. The oh yeah, no, that was great. Well, which is part of the party scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, th- this was um great because. 
here's the thing he's such a fun character mm-hmm. but like he never really gets a character arc they just kill him because i don't know they need to make hawkeye feel bad and give his son his middle name yeah for some god man that kid just has the unluckiest namesakes <laughs> alba severus potter says hi <laughs> there needs to be like a support group for white kids with bad names uh, yeah <laughs> yeah also just one weird question is friday irish Oh, yeah, she's voiced by Jennifer Connelly. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and another interesting thing is, uh, well, can we agree that Cap snarks a little too much in this movie? I've never liked the way Joss Whedon writes Cap. <sighs> yeah. It, he doesn't really understand the character. He really... And it's especially apparent when you watch this after watching Winter Soldier, which absolutely nails his personality. Mm-hmm. Like, the language scene just doesn't fit. No, I I think I could name an even worse example. Yeah, it's in the when they're in Sokovia and uh, he interrupts that uh, Ultron drone and he right. just angrily shouts, "Never, never what? You didn't finish!" Yeah, the delivery for that line was weird, but it was also written weird. G- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. This is the movie where like the whole everybody's a comedian thing really starts to feel tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we already touched on that. So, uh, but another interesting thing it was that uh, you notice how there's a lot of emphasis on um. On saving civilians in this this time yeah. around, you know what other movie had come out around this time, right? Man, Man of Steel. Steel. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That's my thing with the Marvel movies. Is in every single movie where there's been civilian casualties, mm-hmm. like the reason there are civilian casualties is because the villain is intentionally attacking um, the civilian center. But mm-hmm. the superhero's plan it always revolves around protecting civilians. Like in Avengers, their whole thing is they're trying to fight while people are being evacuated. Right. Same thing with this movie. Yeah. Whereas Mm -hmm. Man of Steel, Superman is like, oh, what does this button do? Destroys an entire skyscraper. Hey guys, I won. (laughs) We did it, Patrick. We saved the city. (laughs) Basically. Uh, All right. So you're saying you didn't feel inspired and patriotic when Metropolis is literally a crater by the end of that movie. (laughs) No. Me neither. Yeah. You know what else I didn't... You know what else kind of made me cringe? Huh? The I'm a Scarlet Witch's I'm a monster scene. You mean, you mean Black Widow. But, but I want to talk uh, about that line, because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people interpret that as saying she's a monster because she can't have kids. But here's why. what that line... Act, here's the thing. It's yeah. a shitty scene. It's a shitty line. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying what it actually means so that right. we can say that it sucks for the right reason. Right, exactly. Yeah, saying, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, the reason ahead. why they... um I don't know the word for the procedure but the reason why they made her unable to have kids yeah. is to make it easier for her to kill people and she says yeah. and it worked you think you're the only monster on the team she's yeah. saying she's a monster because she acknowledges it's so easy for her to be an assassin yeah exactly but because it came right after the scene where she mentioned yeah. she got an involuntary hysterectomy yeah. she it, it the, the the conflation is there like yeah. i can understand the confusion but yeah it's just yeah. not the it's a, it's a misinterpretation of the yeah scene it's here. also kind of like a weird thing where like she can't have kids because she was like traumatized as a child and mm-hmm. hulk can't have kids because he has terminal meat too big syndrome and that's another thing there's freaking they reach so much for I mean, I'm sure the, the gamma radiation messed it up too but i mean you know d- yeah that too but that can we both agree that the hulk and black widow romance was just they were reaching so much for that because like wait how can we make this uh make this believable despite the uh, even though they made uh, from that one scene where they made gaga eyes at each other even, even well joss whedon's definition of gaga eyes at each other on uh in the first event it's been long enough we can just acknowledge joss whedon doesn't understand human women yeah exactly my first note here was that of course the only woman on the team is the only one who could calm hulk right yay 90s feminism <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right there well. was a second wave <laughs> it's yeah it, it's bad 
Uh, but here's the thing, though. I really enjoyed the fun parts, though. Oh, yeah, no, that's the thing. That's my thing. It's, you know, that's why this movie isn't completely unwatchable is because there are parts of it I legitimately enjoy. Mm-hmm. The slow motion part that was in all the trailers of all of them fighting the drones. Oh, was... yeah, the whole opening scene is pure fan service eye candy. Yeah, it's it's a joy. Yeah. So, ultimately, um, silver. I say silver. Yeah, yeah silver it, tier. It's not unwatchable enough to be bronze, but, I mean, the good parts don't save the bad parts from existing. Right, exactly, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I will say, though, this movie weirdly became a little bit better in hindsight now that Infinity War and Endgame have happened. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Once all the stuff it set up actually happened, this movie's a lot more enjoyable to watch because you can appreciate the setup knowing what the conclusion was. Yes. But at the time, we just kind of felt robbed that we spent two hours watching them set up movies that won't come out for another five years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least we had that one uh, gif of Cap ripping apart that log uh, to tide us over. I mean, yeah, no, that that tides several people over for several reasons. <laughs> Wide appeal, I believe, is the technical term for that. <laughs> yep. Okay, and last but not least, Ant Man. Ant Man. I will literally always go to bad. I remember when this yeah. movie coming out. Some people were like, "Oh, Ant Man, that's so stupid." I'm like, "Fuck you! It's gonna be amazing. Ant Man has super cool powers. Paul Rudd's a great actor. Fuck you." The little movie that could. A mm. pun. Yeah. Hey. Here's the thing. After Guardians of the Galaxy. I, you know, I don't feel nervous about most Marvel movies anymore. Right. The, and mm-hmm. the worst case scenario is it's watchable and unimpressive. Best case scenario is Guardians of the Fucking Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. And and this one, as a matter of fact, because, my God, um, Scott, right from the bat, we get the excellent, uh, we get an exposition, exposition scene that isn't clunky. Because that, it's fu- actually funny. Because it's actually funny. Yeah. It's like friends talking. It's like, okay, so here's the thing with this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just this great family comedy. But, like, because it's a family comedy, the jokes are funny without, you know, reaching too much. Exactly. Like, the edgiest joke is Louis saying that his dad got deported. Yeah, that's it. And, I mean, it's still funny because Michael Mm -hmm. Pena is shockingly funny. Yeah, he is incredibly funny. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't be disappointed if he, like, just stuck to comedies from now on. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, Mm -hmm. Louis, obviously a fan favorite. Scott, Scott, I think the thing that makes him such a great character is Mm -hmm. that his motivations are so easy to understand he's not trying to save the world or anything he just wants to be a good dad and he wants his daughter to like him yep small stakes small stakes it's it's what uh honestly these movies are better when the stakes are small like this yeah it's Mm -hmm. you know and it's a really fun heist movie like it takes if you like heist movies this is a movie for you because it takes everything that's great about it Mm -hmm. and just kind of adds a superhero flavor to it yeah yeah precisely yeah and um I love what I have here is uh, Scott. I think he has the best character intro outside of Cap. I agree. Yeah, he's in the prison, and just from his small fight scene yeah. uh, in the prison, like we show, shows so communicates so much with so little because he he takes his first hit like a man, and then he quickly um, deceives that guy into landing a hit. Yeah, and then of course they hug they hug it out and then leave. And uh, yeah. I love. The plant and payoff of Michael Pena's line where he said, I was the first, I'm so far the only guy to knock him out. And then he backs it up in the later scene where he knocks out everyone he gets into a fight with in one hit. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. All the characters right in this, like, Mm -hmm. Michael Douglas as Hank Pym is ungodly levels of perfect casting. My, yes. Oh my gosh. He is, like, I I was a long time fan of Michael Douglas ever since uh, Basic Instinct. Right. When I was way too young to be watching that movie. I was about to say, (laughs) you weren't that old when that movie came out. I really wasn't. I watched it on VHS, at least. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, um, yeah, he he took, took the role seriously, and he 
absolutely hit it out of the park playing yeah. the overprotective father but you kind of see where he's coming from though. oh yeah, I, yeah. totally understand. I, I think the whole like angle of having a classic superhero you know having already gone through their career and now being like the new bringing in the new guard such mm-hmm. a creative use for his character but i really think that's like a great direction to take hang pim like they i feel like they did the character justice very, very much. So. Well, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really familiar with how his character is, quote unquote, supposed to be. But I'd say, given how his character has been written in the past, this is one of the better representations of what he should be like. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I, I, my yeah. only complaint is, I wish this movie had been made sooner, so mm-hmm. that we could have gotten this version of Hank Pym making Ultron instead of Tony Stark. Ooh, that would have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's a good. I will say that, movie. like you know, representations of mental illness in comics hasn't always been stellar so i understand why it goes rude i would have been really interested to see how they would have handled it if they had this version of hank pym also have schizophrenia hmm. especially since it would have been interesting to see if they like actually tried to make it actual schizophrenia and not comic book schizophrenia which is just really multiple personality disorder right right hmm okay but uh i think they reserved all of that for the villain in this movie yeah no <laughs> which i mean i'll say i feel like the villain's really one of the only weak parts because he's just a straight up comic book villain with no redeemable qualities. See, here's the thing though. I've I I think it fixed uh Iron I'd rather they do that because they introduced him as like a mustache twirler from the beginning, unlike That's an fair. Iron unlike an Iron Man where he's conniving and manipulative, but then at the end he turns into freaking King Kong yeah, busting I mean, everything up. I just but... like that this is not a movie where it's just the villain is just a evil version of the protagonist power set wise. Yeah. Also is probably one of the most brutal kills in anything. Are you talking about the scene in the bathroom? Yes. Or... Oh god. That that's like nightmare fuel. Yeah, like honestly like backtracking a little bit, this and Dark World has some of the most brutal kills. Like those like Those grenades Those that black that hole you... grenades are fucked up. Oh, they that's really... legitimate body horror. Yeah, it is. Which incidentally enough is the same way that the that the yellow jacket bites it in this movie. Yeah. Huh. Is Marvel okay? I don't know. Hmm. Huh. Questions for later. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but, no, okay, so just talking about, I feel like this is one of the movies where you can't even really talk about the plot. You mm-hmm. have to talk about the characters because oh. that's a draw. So, like, we mm-hmm. talked about Hank and Scott and Lewis. Well, let's talk about the women in this movie who, really, this is one of the few movies where, like, it has a decently sized female cast and they all do well. Yes. Like, yeah, First of all, let's talk about the family dynamics in this movie. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you have Scott's ex-wife and her new husband. Yes. And his daughter. Like, yes. the one thing I love about this is that there's not really any, like, vitriol between the exes or, like, the new husband. Like, both the ex- both you know, Scott- I don't remember the character's name. I'm bad at that. But, like, yeah. Scott's ex-wife and her new husband, they're supportive of Scott. They want him to get his shit together so he can see his daughter. Right, exactly. Like, they're not, they don't hate each other. Yeah. The I only- trust I interned at a divorce firm for three months. The the kind of situation between uh, Scott and his ex-wife is what we call a relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And then, of course, his daughter is, like, we just talked about Iron Man 3. That's how you do a child character. She is absolutely perfect. Like, she that's is an amazing child actor. Adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Another reason I disliked part of Endgame. We'll get to that later. Gotcha. Yeah, no, okay. yeah, no but that's fair. Like, she just, and it's, it's no wonder Scott wants to be such a great dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you have Hope Van Dyne. Oh my god, like just, what a character arc right? in this movie. I mean, would you, the crazy thing about her character is that she's not even in the comics. Really? Yeah, no, she's basically an MCU exclusive. Wow. Yeah, right? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And like, interesting. after the shit Evangeline Lilly got handed in the Hobbit movies, I'm glad she got to play this character here. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh lord. But I will yeah. say, mm-hmm. Hope and Scott are like one of the few couples in the MCU that I think actually works. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. But let's see. There's there's that one. I think. Would you say? Yeah, Tony and Pepper. Tony and Pepper definitely. Um, I'd say because they're dysfunctional in a very realistic but still wholesome way. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Steve and Peggy. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Steven and his whole supporting cast, he's very homoerotic. Yeah, but, but we stand a pan king. I mean, sure. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> okay, but, uh, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, going to the fa- family dynamics. Thor and his and hammer. Thor. Are you done? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So, oh, hey, uh, speed up, but another character, um, Antony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. It's literally perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's so in line with his character because he forms a bond with a freaking ant and then names him and... Yeah. A pun. Yeah. Uh, with a with a dad joke. Yeah. A dad joke. And of course, like, his whole, like, his other ex-con friends are all hilarious in their own way. Oh, my lord. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, the, the, I still... I mean, it, yeah. it's weird. They're comic relief characters in a comedy movie, mm-hmm. but, like, they still definitely fill that ni- ni- niche, even though it's not that... You know, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. because Lewis's uh, stories have become iconic at this oh, point. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Which uh, one comedy scene that I wish got more uh, got more traction was the just just back it up. See? Oh because yeah, because how just, long the camera? Because that's look, like a good example of a scene where you drag it out so long it actually becomes funny. It comes full circle. Yeah, take yeah. no Seth MacFarlane. Jeez, right? <laughs> for someone who's known for doing that type of joke, you'd think he'd actually be good at it by now. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but uh. We talked about how the villain was a mustache twirler, but he was... Tell me you didn't... Uh, another oh shit moment in the MCU was the part where the plan didn't work. Oh yeah, no. That's the thing. He's a good villain. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's... A, here's the thing. I can appreciate a villain that's literally just 100% a bastard and like mm-hmm. doesn't have a sympathetic backstory or anything. The Jeff Bezos looking motherfucker. Right? <laughs> like, I can appreciate that in a movie. I'm just saying, you know, there's not really anything necessarily special about him. Which, yeah, they're... they're, they're which but he doesn't is... need to be because it's a small stakes movie. He's not the focus. Small stakes. You you said that first. I did. <laughs> and um, and even you you mentioned how this the final villain fight was just a fight between the evil version of the hero. But my God, the set pieces is... were amazing. Like that's my favorite thing about the Ant Man movies is how creatively they use his powers. Yes, exactly. Like especially the part where he's surfing through the water main on top of the uh, with the, the, the fire ants. The fire ants, I think. Yeah, yeah. or mm-hmm. the freaking Thomas, the giant Thomas, the tank engine. <laughs> oh man. Or, like, when they see the giant ant right in the house, when the cops just like, oh, that's a weird-ass dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the the mentioning that, it mentioned that the, his his ex's uh, husband is currently a cop. Um, can we, This movie is has a lot, actually, is a very scathing critique of the American prison system. Y- you think? Oh, my God. I mean, the whistleblower ends up in jail. The whistleblower ends up in jail. He can't find a job to support his family. He's forced to go back in. The, literally, his line, the whole scene where he's like, I have a master's degree in electrical engineering. I'll be fine. Hi, welcome to Basketball and Robbins. I can get you. Like, that's shockingly realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just how hard it is for ex-cons to yeah. rehabilitate, even though they he genuinely wants to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, my days of breaking into places and stealing shit are over. What do you want me to do? Want, want you to break, break into, into a place and steal, and steal some, some shit. shit. <laughs> right. Makes sense. <laughs> and I like that the movie kind of leans into how ridiculous the concept is in order to make it work. Which, again, since phase one, that's the thing I love about the MCU. It, do- it doesn't try to be unnecessarily grounded. Mm-hmm, it knows mm-hmm. what it is, and it just fucking goes for it. Yes, exactly. And yeah. then let's talk, let's talk about a standalone versus uh, big picture. Yeah. Um this is the we're introduced to the quantum realm. Yeah, introduced. Here's the thing. Initially, it seems really standalone, mm-hmm. but like stuff becomes more important later. Uh huh. Right. 
it does a good job of like it's a good example of a movie that's aware it takes place in the MCU, mm-hmm. but isn't necessarily trying to be a part of it. If that makes sense, exactly. Yeah, because like, the biggest thing it does to set up is the mid credit scene literally being a scene from Civil War. Yes, uh-huh. which generated a lot of hype and speculation at the time. Oh my god, yeah, that and was uh, insane. Which which is good because uh, and then there was that scene in the middle where he fought, where he beats Falcon. Oh yeah. Oh my god, Falcon being in this was so great. It, <laughs> No, here's the thing with that, though. I'm so glad like, I, I was at this point that I didn't watch trailers anymore. Because mm-hmm. they showed that in one of the trailers, like, the week after the movie came out. They did. I yeah, know, I'm so I, glad I missed yeah. that, because mm-hmm. that was such a great scene. Oh, yeah. Especially seeing him just fanboy over Falcon, of all people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, Guys, it's the Falcon! Hi, I'm Scott. Did he just say, hi, I'm Scott? Scott. <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't worry. No, even before that, I was like, don't worry, he can't see me. I can see you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh and then the tease in the mid-credits with... um hope getting to be the wasp in the next movie and hell even before that uh louise's final story where she mentions uh i need a guy who shrinks well i was like well we got a guy who could who could jump swing and climb up walls right which again generated a shit ton of hype which is funny because they put that line in there without knowing if they would get the right spider-man back or not that yeah was meant which, to be, which was very ballsy yeah, like, it was meant to be like apparently vague. it wasn't uh it did it wasn't that's like they got their ego inflated after Guardians. Like that—that that was a really ballsy. Which glad that it paid off, but right, still. yeah. <laughs> you know, right. so mm-hmm. gold, gold, yeah. yeah. Which is weird because I fully this is see this is why I need to rewatch these movies because I thought based on my memories this was silver, but yeah. Here's the thing: like yeah. this is also probably one of the most subjective um of Marvel movies, like if mm-hmm. but. I love it. It's basically the kind of movie I could rewatch over and over and over again. Yes, because it's a great heist comedy superhero movie. It's yeah. a family comedy, which I can't mm-hmm. overstate enough how important that is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We needed tier. some family comedy after the fucking hide the zucchini joke in Age of Ultron. Ugh. I still can't believe they made that joke and got away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All so, right. yeah, that's phase two. What do we have to look forward to in Phase 3 again? Dude, we start off with Civil War. Shit! <laughs> yeah, no. The hype was real. But, uh, more we, on that next time. Yeah, which is, it's going to be a while before we do this again, because if I didn't have superhero fatigue before this review set season, I will at the end of this. If yeah, we, same here. Yeah, same no. here. It's, yeah, we have to take a break before I just give everything bronze to get this shit over with. Exactly. And yeah. to be clear, mm-hmm. I love superhero movies, but... Yeah, we both I do. love ice cream. I wouldn't eat ice cream for every fucking meal. Right, exactly. Well, I yes. would. I would just regret it later, like what I'm doing now. So, yeah. For... Well, the point is we have no self-control. Exactly, yeah. So, for our next episode, we'll, we'll, it'll be something a little different. We've. I don't want to uh, jump the gun here like how we just discussed Marvel doing with Spider-Man here, but uh, it, it'll be something that we think you'll enjoy. We're going to review the DCE universe. Hey, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.